The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Welcome back, my friends. Thanks for joining us again today as we take a couple minutes today out of our day to examine and to learn from God's Word. Uh, As you know, we have been for the last uh, almost 120 episodes going through the book of Matthew, studying the life of Christ from Matthew's Gospel. And uh, we are going to come into the one of the last two sections of the book of Matthew. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 28, verse 11, here in just a moment. I want to start with something that I have stated a few times in this study. And it references the idea that different Gospels will give us different perspectives. It does not mean that they are contradicting each other, although sometimes stories do. You, you hear one story and you say, you know, why, why are the stories that different? It's not a matter that the stories are that different. It's that they're being seen from different perspectives. One of the things we're going to notice in this passage in a moment here is that sometimes certain Gospels just don't have information. So in a minute, we're going to get into a lot of things. A lot of things take place from the time Jesus rises from the dead and ascends into heaven. The book of Matthew only covers one event. Um, and so and you, can, you can talk about how many times Jesus appeared to people. You can talk about the second time at the great drought of fishes where um, the, the, the popular question where Jesus questions Peter saying, uh, do you love me more than these? Uh, all, a lot of those things. A meeting with, on the road to Emmaus. There's a, there's a list of things, uh, conversations in the upper room with Jesus where Downing Thomas puts his hand in the side. There's a list of things that take place, most of them are things that we use as proof uh, of Jesus's resurrection. Matthew does not record them. He records one aspect of that today. So what I would challenge you to do, if you want to look through, one of the, uh, and it's interesting, one, and there's a lot of different, by the way, there's a lot of reasons for that. If you go to book of Luke, that's where I would challenge you to go. Luke chapter 24. Luke, Luke in that last couple chapters covers more of this. And one of the reasons why is it comes down to the intrigue of the gifts that God used to the people who came. And one of those is the fact that Luke was a physician, which means he would have been a very detailed personality, and his book follows that trend. Um, Matthew was a tax collector, right? You, you understand how the differences come in Scripture. If you ever read the book of First and Second Peter, uh, you're going to find very quickly that Peter was not a scholar as Paul would have been. Much of his grammars run on sentences, things of that nature. And the benefit to looking at is you see that God uses the gifts and personalities of the people he's chosen while yet still inspiring and preserving his word. Uh, that to me is one of the more intriguing parts of studying this. So what we're going to do, so if you want to get into, uh, there, God, Jesus it was in, so, uh, appeared to multiple different people and multiple times over the 40 days, uh, to the disciples, to other people, um, and uh, to multiple disciples in different scenarios. Uh, again, we talk about the idea in the upper room. Doubting Thomas was able to see the scars, feel the scars. Uh, it became real. So he took a lot of steps to make sure that people understood that it was him and not, not a mistake. Now you say, why is that important if we're not going to go into dig those down? One, if you go to the book of Luke, there's a lot of information, and it would take us a couple days to, to break that down, which we won't do. You want to go back and study the end of Luke, it's a great way to find out what some of those things are. But the, I say all that because what we're going to read this morning kind of kind of gives us an idea of why other Gospels did that. So Matthew chapter 24 and verse 11 
While they were going, indeed, some of these soldiers went into the city and described to the chief priest everything that had happened. When the chief priests were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave much money to the soldiers, saying, You are to stay. You are to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while they were sleeping. If this comes to the governor's ears, he will, uh, he will satisfy him and keep you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed, and saying this, and this saying has been commonly reported among the Jews to this day. So really, this is the only event. The next thing we're going to see is Jesus' ascension and what we now know as the Great Commission. Um, so Jesus is resurrected. It's clear what's happened. The soldiers come back and report. They come back and report to the chief priests. And they, at that point, report everything that happened. They report the angel coming, the supernatural aspect of what's going on. Uh, they're, they pass out due to fear, wake up, and Jesus is gone. Now, please remember, sometimes, and if you watch every once in a while a TV show or a movie on this, you're going to see that what you see is the guard was one, two, four random guards who kind of fell asleep. Uh, and, and they depict that as they, they didn't run it fearful, they just kind of fell asleep and, 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 and it wasn't a big deal. This was a large number of soldiers who were there uh, because they were trying to make sure that this did not happen. Um, and so you look, and, and then they had to get paid off. So obviously, they don't want anybody to know what really happened because how does the chief priest explain that? So everything he said was true, it would have validated him as the Messiah. Now, can I tell you something? They go to the chief priest, right? And the elders. If these people were truly concerned about ever actually finding the Messiah, if they were truly concerned about ever actually knowing, uh, seeing Old Testament prophecy fulfilled, then the reality that what happened happened should have completely changed their mind. At this point, if they truly want, if they truly believed in the in the Word of God, in the in the Torah as they did, in the law. And they really wanted to see what God was doing happen. This would have changed their mind. They would have realized what they've done. They would have found some way to repent and turn. But they did not do that. That did not change them at all. And that's part of what I want us to see here is that these men did not care about truth. They cared about power. They cared about keeping position. And that's why they kept adding so many things to the law that God never intended because they wanted to control people. So what they do, they take money and they had a lot of it because of taxes and they paid off the soldiers. Now it's intriguing. This story is, I mean, just think about it. It's almost impossible to tell, number one. Number two, if I were a soldier, um, think about this. These soldiers were told to pretend, you know, say that when they were sleeping at night, somebody came and stole the body. So a group, a small group of mostly fishermen and people like that came that really had no fighting or war experience at all, show up and are able to take out an entire group of soldiers by not killing any of them, by the way, didn't kill any of them, were able to find a way to subdue and knock all of them out so they can open up and steal the body and none of this happened. These are trained soldiers. And so to me, it, it's almost, it's like, why, how would that possibly happen? And, and, and so the story is not even believable to begin with. And that's why I, I encouraged you to start by, you know, like you're looking to another gospel, Luke or other ones like that, to say, what else happened at the end? Because they said at the end, this is still reported, uh, reported among Jews to this day. Obviously, he's referencing this day, the day that... Um, this was being written. Now, it's still true. There are still people amongst the Jews and others who are going to give you a list of theories. I won't go into them today, but I think there's anywhere from four to six, maybe more, four to six popular theories as to how Jesus was able to get out of the grave but never rose. Okay, he's unconscious and he healed. He was in a coma, came out of it. Uh, uh, there was... Um, 
the disciples were able, the most popular one, is that the disciples just stole his body so that they could create a religion. Because, and by the way, the one reality to it is that Jesus did not appear to everybody. He did not have a massive public appearance. The biggest one probably would have been maybe his ascension, but he didn't have those rallies where thousands of people were there present doing miracles and things of that nature. He kept, if we could put it this way, a bit of a low profile uh, on purpose. And it really comes down to one of the premises. To believe in God requires faith. He is not obligated to prove our faith by sight. Because by the way, if our sight, if we have to prove our faith by sight, it's no longer faith. So if we have to be convinced of something by seeing it, then we are no longer living by faith. And the Bible says a just shall live by faith. We live by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. Uh, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So it's not a, God is not in any desire to convince people because faith is what we live by. And then it's something to take into account. Uh, there's going to be all kinds of different points of view, and you're going to find some very intelligent people who have found a way, and some of them really believe it, but most of them found a way to convince that this didn't happen. It's intriguing. If you go to historians, Historians will validate everything that was stated up to this point. Uh, and, and when I say that is, historians will tell you there's not enough historical fact to be able to prove it. Well, this is one of the reasons why. Those writing the history of the day were creating lies from the beginning. So you can see writing here that those who were kind of in control of the flow of history to this day were putting out lies and things of that nature. Uh, what we do know is through his the inspiration of Jesus, and it is the largest movement today. There's, there's other religious figures who've died. None of them are written from the dead. But Christianity is the one thing that's literally changed the world. And I don't mean just the term Christian, because a lot of people in my mind that hold the term Christian that don't really believe or have a relationship with Jesus. I'm talking about people who truly have a relationship with Jesus, disciples of Jesus, or following. It's the largest movement to this day. And, uh, and it's not because it's a movement, it's because it's real. And so we look to that hope and we, and we hold to that. Next time we're going to look at the last section of the book of Matthew as we evaluate the commission, the command, the charge that God, has, Jesus, has given to us moving forward as he ascends into heaven. We do appreciate the time you've given us and the opportunity uh, to be part of your day. Hope it's an encouragement. Stick with us as we finish out the book of Matthew tomorrow.